Hello, this is Bad Vibes. Today's video is those night shift stories. I've worked night shift before, and you always seem to hear all the creepy noises that you don't notice during the day. Joining me on this video today, Nightmare Zombie Corn. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm a 27 year old male, and I live in the UK with my fiance. I currently work as a teaching assistant for teenagers with special education needs in a school not far from the Bradgate Park. I have worked in a number of schools and children's homes and now these buildings, especially in children's homes. This particular story happened in 2013 when I had just started working as a support worker at a care home for teenagers and young adults 18 to 30 with autism, brain damage, and challenging behavior. The house that I worked in was pretty big. There were two living rooms, a large kitchen, a game room, a study, and five bedrooms. There was also a huge garden with a summer house slash activity room that led onto acres of fields and woodlands. I had been working there for about three weeks and primarily worked the waking night shift. This shift ran from 12 p.m. until 8 a.m. and it was my duty to make sure all the residents were settled in for the night and to get all the cleaning done before the next day's staff come in to take over. I would usually get all my jobs done around 1am and spend the rest of the night listening for anyone that woke up. I would watch TV or sometimes just play games on my phone once I was finished. The residents usually slept all night. One particular night, a young man named James was particularly restless. He was not very big, but he had a lot of strength behind him. And when he got into one of his bad moods, the slightest thing could set him off. He once threw a member of the staff through the patio door because she had forgotten to put cold water in his tea before he drank it. He could not form sentences and would communicate with fairly simple words put together in a way that he understood. For example, he would say something like, James make breakfast when he was ready for breakfast or James go outside if he wanted to play outside. He was generally well behaved and could be quite funny when he wanted to be but he was well known for his temper. Around 11 p.m., James got up and came downstairs to make a drink. I stood in the doorway and watched to make sure he didn't break anything or hurt himself, and he eventually went back upstairs without any real bother. I sat on the top step and kept my eye on his door for maybe 15 minutes or so to make sure he didn't wake up any other residents. Once he had settled in, I went back to my cleaning. The room beneath James' bedroom was a communal living area with board games, a TV, sofas, books, and stuff like that. I was in there dusting and mopping the floor when I heard something heavy drop to the floor in the room above. I knew James was prone to temper tantrums if he got frustrated, so I went upstairs and knocked on his door. As I reached for the key to open it myself, he opened the door and looked at me. He seemed perfectly calm and his eyes were almost half shut, like he had been asleep. I asked him if he was okay and he said yes and put his thumb up. This was something he did when he was in a good mood and not stressed out. So I left him to it and told him to be careful, thinking that he had just knocked something over. An hour or so passed and by now I was in the kitchen cleaning the sink. I heard another bang above me, like something had been dropped. Then I realized that the room above the kitchen is currently empty. The house was set up to house five residents, but we currently only had four, and the room above me was a spare, empty bedroom. I immediately went to go check it out, but the room was empty. 
I stood there for a while, and as far as I could tell, everyone was asleep. Due to the nature of the conditions and behaviors, each resident has an alarm fitted to their door that is activated at night. So if anyone leaves their bedroom, a small receiver box that a night staff carries will make a noise and light up for a few seconds to indicate the door had been opened and is numbered 1 through 5. The alarm had not gone off, so I knew that the noise did not come from any of the residents. I got back to cleaning and didn't hear anything else for the rest of the night. The following night, I got to work just before 10 and as I entered the hallway, I could tell something was wrong. James was at the bottom of the stairs covering his ears and humming loudly as three members of staff were with him. After a few minutes he was escorted to a sitting room and the house manager gave me a rundown of what had been going on. Apparently for the last few hours James had been quite agitated and kept repeating the phrase, Sarah, little girl. This is something we had never experienced with him before and the general conclusion was that he saw something on TV or in a movie that stuck in his head and made him repeat the phrase. Once James had settled in bed, the night staff left and the other member of the staff that was sleeping in went to the staff bedroom. I got on with my tasks, as usual, and finished around 1am. So after that I went upstairs to do a quick check on all the residents, but as I got onto the first floor landing, I noticed the light had been turned off. There were two small corridors leading to the bedrooms on the left and right hand sides of the staircase. James' room was on the left, and the light switch was just outside his room. I turned the corner and flicked the switch, and there, in the darkness and complete silence was James. He stood in the corner completely naked, and his eyes as wide as he could possibly hold them. I'm a big guy, 6 foot 3, and weigh about 220 pounds, but at that moment I felt really creeped out. I spoke calmly to James and asked him what was going on, and for a while he said nothing at all. Then, as I turned the light back on, he went into an ear-piercing scream and started slapping himself around the face. The sleeping staff woke up at this point and helped me calm down the situation and get James back into bed before reassuring the other residents that everything was fine. After that night I had four days off. My shift patterns were seven days on, two days off, followed by eight days on and four days off and I was relieved that this incident happened just before my time off began. I got back to work the following week and was told that the situation with James talking about the little girl had got worse. He would spend hours staring out the window that overlooked the garden saying, little girl, where are you little girl? And no one knew where he got that phrase from. That night around 3 a.m. the alarm went off to say that door five, the spare room, had been opened. Now this instantly seemed a bit weird as the door to the spare room was always kept locked because it was being used as storage at the time. I went up to investigate and found James standing in the room in the dark. He didn't seem to notice me enter and he just stood there whispering, where are you? Over and over again. I gently touched him on the shoulder and said something like, come on mate, let's go back to bed. It's late. James turned around and started heading back to his room and for a second I was relieved. As I locked the door to the spare room, he screamed out, Oh no! And started slamming the door with both fists. As he did this, the alarm went off to indicate that the front door had been opened. The only people with a key to the front door were myself and the house manager. The door has four locks on it, two that require a key, and two others that require electric ID cards. 
Now it's 3.25 a.m. and the manager never came in before 8. So I presumed that there must be some kind of mistake and continued to diffuse the situation with James. He finally calmed down and went back to his room. So then I went downstairs to check on the front door. To my surprise, it was wide open. I shut it immediately and started to check every room in the house in case someone had got in. I then checked each of the residents to make sure they were still in the house. Everything was fine. The next night, everything was calm around 2 a.m. when one of the other residents, Connor, got up and said someone was tapping on his window. I guess that he must have been dreaming since his window was on the third floor of the house and at least 25 feet off the ground. I went back up to his room with him to reassure and check his window. Sure enough, it was shut and securely locked. As he got back in bed, I heard footsteps on the stairs outside his room. He froze for a second and looked at me with an expression of pure panic on his face. I opened the door to see who it was, but no one was there. He was clearly scared by this and said, Is he back? My blood ran cold and I asked, Is who back? What do you mean? Connor looked over my shoulder and then sank back into bed, pulling the duvet up to his mouth. I turned around to see what he was looking at, but there was still no one there. Tell, tell him to go away, Connor said in a hushed, scared voice. I tried to reassure him that there was no one there, and I left the bedside lamp on before leaving his room. I went downstairs and sat outside on the patio with a cup of coffee. It was the middle of January and was about negative two outside, but I felt like I had to get out of the house for a while. After about 40 minutes, I went back inside and washed my cup in the sink, dried it, and put it back in the cupboard. Beneath the cupboard was a locked, secured drawer where we kept all the sharp knives until needed. The drawer was slightly open. This was obviously a major issue as none of the residents were allowed to access the knife drawer without supervision. I counted all the knives and realized that there was one missing. So I woke up the sleeping staff and told her the situation and we began the search. Nearly two hours later, we still hadn't found the missing knife, so we decided to keep up our guard and make sure none of the residents were hiding it. Two hours later, at 5.30, the alarm sounded. It was the door to the spare room again. I went up to check it and found that the door was locked. How could the alarm have been activated by the door opening if the door was still locked? I went inside and turned the light on. To this day, I still have no explanation for what I found, and I often think about this incident. The bed had been pushed from its usual place and was against the wall, and the wardrobe doors were open. There were screws and nails all over the floor, but nothing was broken. But the most disturbing part, in the middle of the room, there was a child's doll, a gold bracelet, and the missing knife from the kitchen. The doll was an old-style baby doll. My guess that it was made in the 50s, from the style of clothes and the overall look of the doll. The bracelet was simple but old looking. I left everything as it was and reported to the manager as soon as she arrived. No one ever claimed the bracelet belonging to them and it was taken to a charity shop soon after along with the doll. After the doll and bracelet were moved from the house, James seemed to calm down and never mentioned the little girl or stood in the dark again. I still don't have an explanation for everything and sometimes I think that the combination of strange behavior from a young autistic guy and the fact that the house was old. But on the other hand, a lot of stuff happened that I can't really explain. My only regret now is 
that the doll and bracelets are gone. It can never be examined or identified. Maybe it was paranormal. Who knows? But now I work day shifts and do not plan on working night shifts anytime soon. This all happened when I was about 16. I was in high school and working at my first part-time job at a fast food restaurant. It was located off a highway and wasn't uncommon to get a lot of crazy customers. I arrived at work one day and was surprised to see that my schedule that week had changed giving me a graveyard shift on Friday night. The thought of being at this place overnight gave me the creeps and I thought my manager was insane by making the youngest employee take that night shift. But it wasn't a school night and I didn't want to seem like a baby so I just accepted it. When the night came it was just me and another coworker who was a larger man and was very friendly so it made me feel safe and comfortable with him there. Before leaving my manager gave me a rundown on how the night was supposed to go. At 11 o'clock I was to lock the doors and we would only be taking drive through orders. But on this particular night, just my luck, one of the main door had been broken and wouldn't lock properly. If anyone comes in just tell them they can't be in the lobby and they have to order through the drive through After these words of wisdom, my manager went home to the comfort of his bed and I started my long night. Being slightly paranoid and not used to the new shift, Every noise I heard outside made me jump. A few times, some customers came in through the unlocked door, but quickly and politely left after being asked to go through the drive-through. When it reached 1 a.m. in the morning, I was in the back of the store organizing boxes when I heard the slam of the heavy door close. I ran to the front to tell whoever it was that they needed to leave, but I saw no one. I walked into the lobby and looked all around but didn't see anyone. Did you hear someone come in? I asked my co-worker as he also came to investigate. Maybe they left. I'll check the bathroom to be safe, he said as he opened the men's bathroom then quickly came out. Nope, no one in here. You should go check the girls bathroom. I agreed and opened the door to the woman's bathroom. At first I didn't see anything so I called out, anyone in here? No response. To double check I needed to take a few steps into the bathroom. And at this time I was able to see some feet behind the stall. The stall door was wide open and as I got closer I was able to see inside. My stomach instantly sank. I caught the eye of a woman with long tangled brown hair crouched next to the toilet with a needle in her arm. She jumped up out of surprise and ripped the needle out of her arm squirting blood all over the floor. She raised the needle over her head and started to move towards me. I let out a scream and ran out as fast as I could past my co-worker. I whooped around just in time to see her running out the front door. My heart was racing and I was scared to death and ended up going home right after. I quit the next day. So lady shooting up in the bathroom at 1am. Let's not meet again. This all happened tonight and I am still a bit shaken up from it so I'm sorry if this post isn't articulated very well. I work at a hotel as a front desk clerk, and I mostly work second and third shift. It's not bad, really. It's primarily a place for truckers staying a night, because it's on the warehouse district side of town. So, foot traffic is very little during the day, and even less at night. I came in for my graveyard shift, which I was lucky to be doing with another co-worker instead of alone, like usual. My other co-worker, who was clocking out, said that she had a really creepy guy come in saying that he was praising God while watching the TV. 
kept asking what year it was, and was shocked that it was indeed 2019, and so on. I figured it was probably just another case of some guy high off his ass or drunk being a nuisance. That's typical and not a big deal. About 30 minutes later, a man walks in and sort of paces around the lobby. Very average looking guy, wearing nice clothing with a trench coat on. He's jumping in place and looking around before he comes up to the front desk, explaining that he was here earlier and tried to get a room but was told that he couldn't use his reward points. This point of the conversation was the most lucid it would get. I explained to him that our hotel, because it's such a small location, isn't authorized to use customers' reward points. He was disappointed and said he had nowhere to go and he had to pick up his kid from school tomorrow. I apologized and asked him if he would like to pay our regular price for a room and he declined. My coworker then went to the laundry room to get blankets for someone. Things got uncomfortable. He said when he was in high school, he read a book about hotel fires and how they started and that he always comes prepared now and gave a weird grin. I sort of awkwardly laughed it off and went back to printing out reports. He followed me on the opposite side of the desk over to the computer I was at and continued to talk. The conversation went something like this. You want to know something? I'm sorry? Ever since I modified my eyes, I can see so much more. I added thermal vision. I can see spirits. Okay... They're everywhere. This place is absolutely crawling with them. Spirits are tied to our DNA. When we enter a place and leave our DNA, we leave parts of our spirit. Alright. That's why I brought this for you. Then he placed what looked like an old box of donuts and an old pizza box on the counter in front of me and opened it saying it was my last supper. He started to frantically reach through his jacket for something, and I was beginning to internally panic. I placed my cell phone under the counter where he couldn't see, and texted my girlfriend while having my hand on the desk phone. To be honest, I had no idea what to do. He pulled out a pen and started writing on a piece of paper some weird symbols and said they were found all over his house that was built in the 1800s. I nervously said, maybe you should move houses. And he blankly stared for a moment, then placed a grocery bag on the counter. He said there were ashes in it that he was going to return their spirits to earth with. At this point, my coworker came back from the laundry and I managed to get out of the conversation. He apparently went into the parking lot, then through the back of the building again, and several people called the front desk saying they were scared of him. I called the police and told them that he was disturbing a lot of people here. My coworker told me to go home because I couldn't stop checking the parking lot for him. I feel terrible, but I've never had an encounter like that before and I hope to God I don't ever see him again. I work in retail and have a very unique name. This happened a few years ago when I first started. I work at a 24-hour convenience store, and at this point, I was working the graveyard shift. I'm used to all types of unsavory folks, but there was this one guy who left me particularly unsettled. It was about 3am, and unfortunately, I was working alone because my coworker decided to call out last minute. The store was dead. 
and I was packing out a delivery when he walked in. He was a short, stocky black guy, a little older than me, probably late 20s, early 30s. I looked up from the task at hand and greeted him with a friendly smile and asked him if he needed any help with anything. He grinned and looked me up and down, his brown eyes darkening with lust. Yes, do you sell condoms? I nodded and pointed him to the health and beauty section and proceeded to make my way to the register to cash him out. He browses for a little and typically he picked up a box of magnums and those herbal sexual supplement pills. So, how are you tonight? He inquired. I told him I was fine, working hard and anxious to go home. His eyes traveled up and down my body, his eyes settling on my name tag, which is pinned just beneath my left breast. I felt a little uncomfortable. I've never been comfortable with people staring at me and his eyes lingered longer than necessary. He asked how to pronounce my name. I tell him, he says it's nice. Politely, I say thank you and begin to scan and bag his items, trying to avoid eye contact. He asks, do I have a boyfriend? Truthfully, I say yes. He comments that he must be a lucky man and he wishes he could be in his shoes. Again, I smile uncomfortably and, as we're supposed to do, ask if he needs anything else. Not unless I can have you, he drawled lazily. Now I'm getting annoyed. I ignore his comment and proceed to tell him his total. He swipes his card. I complete the transaction and tell him to have a good night. He thanks me and asks if I am working by myself. No, my coworker is downstairs doing some paperwork, I lied. Now he grins. No, he isn't. I've been watching you since 12. I haven't seen another person in here all this time. Are you afraid? I frowned. You've been watching me? That's not creepy at all. I tell him he needs to leave if he's done shopping. I have work to complete. Once again, he laughs at me. I thought he was going to argue, but a group of drunken guys walked in and he leaves. Later that night, I check my Facebook and see I have a friend request. Guess who it's from? Again, I have a unique name. Only two people on Facebook has it. I block and delete the friend request. Next morning, as I'm going to the subway station, the wanted poster on the token booth catches my eye. The face is familiar. It was the creep from my store. Wanted for sexual assault and battery on East 96th Street. The incident happened more than a month ago. I hurriedly told my manager, who called the police and gave him our tip. I don't know if he was ever caught, but please, let's not meet outside my store, and I still don't feel comfortable with name tags. So my dad has always been that type of guy who doesn't believe in anything unless he witnesses himself. He was a pretty macho guy and isn't into all the fairy tale and ghost nonsense. Yet that all changed for him one day. It was about 2.30 in the afternoon when my dad came home. He works a night shift at the old El Reno prison. He says that it's a pretty laid back job for the most part. He usually drives around the prison in one of the guards trucks or keeps watching the tower. But one night he was sent to do a sweep of the chapel as to make sure no one was in there that shouldn't be. His boss, let's call him Jack, told him to come back and check in with him after he had done so. My dad walked through the yard, out to the chapel, 
and as soon as he walked in, he said he felt a wave of nervousness come over him. He flicked on the old lights and walked in and began to check around the room. After a couple minutes, he saw a man, dressed in the same uniform as him, walk out of one of the little offices in the back. My dad asked the man if he was already doing a sweep of the chapel, and the man replied, Yes, I'll take it from here. So confused as to why he was sent out there to check the chapel, my dad just gave a little, Oh, okay, I'll let Jack know. My dad returned to his boss about 15 minutes later after he had sent him. Jack looked at him and asked, How did you get done so fast? You couldn't have properly checked the whole place in such a short amount of time. Another guard was there. He said he checked it, my dad said. And I guess Jack didn't know anything of it. As long as the chapel was checked, everything was fine with him. Well, this is where it gets creepy. About three days later, my dad said he was walking down the halls of the prison and stopped to look at the display case of all the old photos of the guards in the past. As he was browsing the photos, his heart sank and his blood froze. One of the pictures he came across was the very same guard he encountered at the chapel. Only the guard was dead. Apparently about four years before my dad started working there, a riot broke out in the middle of the chapel and the guard was stabbed to death. And that guard was the same man my dad saw in the old chapel. But out of the 12 years of working there, not once had he ever heard about the riot until now. I don't know if they just don't talk about it, scared it might run off some newbies, all I can say is, my dad is now a firm believer of the paranormal, and not once has he ever been back to that creepy chapel.